Did you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 Films You Have to See Before You Die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth. How many of them have you actually seen? These are movies so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you had actually seen them. So join me, Sam Wraith. And me, Joel Green, as each week we break down and review these films from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. This is 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. My name is Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry. I even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. My name's Joel. I enjoy film and TV a lot. I do have pretty strong opinions when it comes to both film and TV, which often my friend group disagree with. I always think I'm pretty justified in my opinions. So see what you think. Each week, myself and Joel will discuss a film that is described by many as one of the best films ever made. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated and bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss... Gladiator. Gladiator, the 2000 film directed by Ridley Scott. Um, not the 1992 film starring Cuba Gooding Jr. that I maybe got 30 minutes into a boxing film... <laughs> It's so lucky as well that you messaged me. I don't think you've messaged me mid-movie ever. Ever. Don't think I've ever done it. Um, it's well, you had. I think you were like, "Oh, I'm watching it," and I went, "Oh yeah, I probably should watch it by this point because I like to have a little bit of time between watching it and recording." So I just sent you a picture, and got this barrage of messages going. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. Wrong movie. No. 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure I ridiculed you more than that, but yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That movie's not well rated. No, it's not. Um, I will start this by saying I have a natural lean and a bit of a bias. I bloody love a Sandals and Swords movie. Lord of the Rings, Troy... Anything like that, I'm a big fan of. And Gladiator is most certainly a mid to early 2000s Sandals and Swords movie. Oh, we, I mean, we should preface this as well by saying, I don't know anything. You said, don't do any research. I'm yeah, taking yeah. the lead on this one. I've done, I've done loads of research into this one. So some of these are facts that I've been told over the years. Uh, but I quite like the fact that our podcast is virgin on inaccurate. Virgin on inaccurate? <laughs> Good God. I like a bit of uh, bit of hearsay. Oh. So this is, this is an original story. It's not really historical. There's a smattering of historical figures mm. included in there. Uh, but it is, but it is a, a story. And Interestingly enough, it is a story that got rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. Apparently, the original screenplay for this was absolutely abysmal, and they avoided showing the actors and actresses the original scripts. I wasn't a big fan of the the writing in this. Um, 
Oh, there's some good lines, though. There's some good lines, but I got the impression it, it was all over the place, though. Like, there was good lines and there was good scenes, but it didn't flow very well for me, I felt. It was like they had these scripted big scenes, we'll call them, that had to happen, but getting to them was a little bit messy and not the best written thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm already triggered. How dare you? God, how dare you insult Joel Gladiator? <laughs> parts of this film were so boring. <laughs> oh, I'm so triggered right now. This is not a boring film. This is such no, an exciting no, 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 film. no, 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 no. This isn't a boring film. But my God, has it got boring parts to it? Oh, I so strongly disagree. I mean, the 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 entrance is quite long, but it's pretty epic. Uh, no, that bit's great. That's an action sequence. It's. I'll tell you what I wrote here. This is the Star Wars prequels. It's political, and that's all the dialogue really is. Like outside of Maximus, it's it's just politics. There's so many lines about like, oh, this costs too much, and and we're having to sell our corn reserves, and there's yeah, going to but... be a famine in a few years. And I'm like, but show me the men fighting. Yeah, but com- <laughs> you're Commodus. Because <laughs> he sits there going, this is boring. And they're saying, no, it's important. It's important to protect the people. Mm. But why did we have to see it? Why did we have to see this when we didn't see other things? Because it's building up his character. That he doesn't really care for the people. He cares about himself and his own self-image. It's character building. It's good character building. It's character building in a nearly three hour long film. Yeah, well, we are watching the extended edition. I mean, should we get into this plot? Because it is a chunky film. Go on, go for it. The Romans, under the leadership of their sturdy general Maximus, played by Russell Crowe, are preparing for one final battle against the frankly terrifying Germanic tribes. But the promise of peace looms. The Romans easily defeat their enemy in a bloody fight while the Emperor... Marcus Aurelius, played by Richard Harris, looks on. After the battle, Marcus Aurelius and Maximus talk. They're clearly old friends, and later in the evening, Marcus Aurelius tells Maximus that he'd like him to take over control after he dies. He's adamant that his son, Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix, who has recently arrived in Germania with his sister, Lucille, must not rule. He is not a moral man. I loved this opening. It was great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You see some really good practical effects. Excellent practical effects. It There was a great scale to this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I felt this was a really good, quite similar, I would say, to the opening of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Big scale. Um, big scale. You could tell most of this was practical and they'd done most of this. They actually burnt down that forest, by the way. That I was can, in that's amazing. Sussex in the UK. I can tell. And the, the forest was gonna be burnt uh was gonna be it was it was due to be cut down anyway. Um so they jumped on the opportunity uh and actually burnt down half the trees before it was all cut down anyway. And you could tell that this was practical and not CG. Yes, it's a shame. It, it looks so much better than battle scenes look today. Yeah. So much oh better. Oh my god, yeah. 
and again this was well this was 2000 and i mean we'll get to it there are some slightly slightly dodgy effects where they started to rely on cg and it's just not held up but this practicalness has held up and still looks amazing what 23 years later um well so we get into this first scene what is clear straight away is maximus does this walk through his men and he's not one of these back of the line generals he is extremely respected by his men and even admired by his men and this is this is like a big theme throughout the movie I think it's really interesting. Russell Crowe's character of Maximus is like the perfect man. He's the man's man that every man wants to be and the man that women want to be with kind of man. Yeah. And then Commodus is the complete opposite of that. It's like a brotherhood almost between the two of them, like a Cain and Abel kind of type thing. I think what is interesting is you have this perfect character and like maximus barely has a flaw but it works in this sense because it feels like he's earned it i think where we've had perfect characters in other movies since it doesn't work as well whereas it feels like with um maximus he's been he's always worked towards this and he's also he everything he does is revolving around sacrifice he wants to be a farmer he wants to be with his family he goes to war and he increases rome's borders because he as he says in the film he seems rome as the light he's trying to civilize the world because he thinks it's working towards the greater good so i think it's really interesting to have a a whiter than white character which doesn't which people actually get behind because I think often that's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. So we're also given an introduction to Commodus, and we're seeing how Commodus' father really prefers Maximus to Commodus. I mean, we all would, because <laughs> um, Commodus is a little sliding snake. Yeah, he's but, yeah creepy, uh, creepy, creepy human. Maybe why I don't like him. Yeah, possibly why. Joker's own Joaquin Phoenix. That man is typecast. (laughs) Yeah. And his dad is Dumbledore. Yeah, Richard Harris is great in this. He's better in this than he is as Dumbledore. I think he's very very similar. Controversial. All I could hear was him as Dumbledore. I don't think the man (laughs) really did did any accents. (laughs) Maximus decides to think it over. In the meantime, Commodus is informed that he won't be the next emperor, and in a hissy fit of rage and grief, he smothers his father and then lies about it. Maximus knows something evil has happened, but before he can rally his troops and serve justice, Commodus has him arrested and taken for execution. Maximus vanquishes his executioners and then races back to Spain where he lives. So we have the execution scene. And, right, there are some classic 2000 wuxi swords. Very wuxi swords that I don't think obey the laws of physics. <laughs> I, I like it. 
<laughs> I don't care. I wrote down, how did he get out of this situation? I watched it happen and I don't understand it, Joel. I don't care, Sam. You've got a real blind spot for this film. How does he escape? <laughs> I still, I, wa- I had to rewind it. There's frost on the sword. That's how he escapes. No, I don't no. care. I it's, like it. He's on his knees, tied up. And then suddenly he's, he's not. Like, he manages to somehow kill the guy behind him, which is fair, and then gets his sword. Suddenly his hands are free. And then, yeah, there's the really cool line where he's like, the frost, it makes the sword stick. And I'm happy with that because that's well explained. It's cold. We've seen it snowing. But then he just Mm. launches a sword and it goes whoosh, 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 whoosh through the air and impales this guy in a horse. Get lost. Sometimes sometimes you've got to get good. Get and Lost. and Ma- Maximus gets the goodest. This man. <laughs> I know what yeah, you said about like, him being too good. Yeah, Come on. but like plot armor. My yeah, God. <laughs> I liked it. I don't. There care. was. I don't know about you as well. There was some weird frame rate slash weird slow mo. Yeah, weird slow mo. Why is it there? It doesn't I've noticed serve that. anything. I've noticed weird slow-mo in a lot of these films that we've watched for yeah, the podcast. and it was like, I don't know if we're missing something. Like when we first meet Commodus and he steps out, it's like juttery. I'm like, did you not have long enough in the shot? Like, what are you trying to... It just stands out. It happens like three or four times in the film. And every time I'm like, yeah. oh, that's ugly. There's also a line, though, that puts stress on the situation. I thought it was a good line as well. Where Maximus is pleading with Commodus, uh, who was his friend, by the way. Yeah, they were childhood friends, weren't they? Uh, his friend Commodus, what about my family? And Commodus just says, by order of Caesar, they'll meet you in the afterlife. That's brutal. Oh, yeah. Commodus's men, however, beat him to the punch. And Roman Praetorians have already slaughtered Maximus's family. Maximus is beside himself. He buries his family and passes out. A slave caravan then picks him up, and when he's awakened, he's somewhere in the desert. Soon we learn that he's in Africa, on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. He's purchased, along with other slaves, by an entertainer named Proximo. I mean, that's... It's a a gut-wrenching scene, isn't it? Because he's racing home. Very snotty. Very snotty. Very, yeah, he's racing home and you see you see the Praetorians get into his family's house and his son runs over thinking that his father's there and just gets crushed by a horse. And I yeah. Rough. And then they're it's, burned yeah. alive and crucified. And you don't really see anything apart from the curled up beef jerky of her feet. Um, <laughs> yeah. That he kisses. And I'm like, whoop. <laughs> um, but yeah good character motivations and then you go cool this Clear is going to be a revenge yeah. film yeah it's going to be a revenge film or is it good character motivation like it a lot picked up by the slave caravan because he's nearly dead from racing to to Spain it was quite a journey um, yeah to get from Germany to Spain on horseback Probably resting each night. Weeks, if not months. During his first training session at Proximo's house slash training camp, Maximus refuses to fight. 
We get the impression that he's planning on standing around and getting killed so the misery will be over. Everything changes once he's thrust into the arena, where he decides to defend himself and ultimately distinguishes himself. This scene's great. It's all of these scenes are great. They are. Him fighting as a gladiator is the is the best bit. Of Max, the film, isn't it? Maximus's storyline is brilliant, and yeah. I really liked it. And and then we cut. And we cut back to Rome. So do you do you know, go before we get to Rome? Do you know much about gladiators in Rome? Not really. So there wasn't half as much death as this, really, because slaves were valuable. Okay. Oftentimes, fights wouldn't end up in death; it would be more submission and so forth. Those guys with the big masks on—they're not actually slaves. They're professional fighters. They're like career entertainers who actually free people who would fight slaves. More often than not, they wouldn't actually kill them either. Well, I mean, yeah, you bad business. You can't churn it? through people. Um, quite often, they'd go to submission and then you'd have the thumbs up or thumbs down, which, interestingly, was the other way around. It was thumbs down for sheath your sword so they'd survive. Or thumbs up for sword up, kill them. But the film, the the filmmakers decided that might be a bit too confusing for the modern audience. Yeah, I, I assume making an entertaining film was more important than historical accuracy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, Commodus arrives back in Rome, entering like a conquering hero, according to Senator Gracchus. Commodus has his first meeting with the Senate, and it's clear. That even though he pretends to care about the people, all he really cares about is the power. Commodus knows that he needs to do something to consolidate power, and he decides to stage a series of gladiator games to honour his late father and give the people the kind of spectacle they want and crave. God, this was boring. Even though his father banned the games in the first place. I mean, it'd be a pretty boring film if the games were banned, wouldn't it? Yeah, true, true. There wouldn't be much gladiatoring. Right. I'll admit this scene is boring, but it gets it going. It's all yeah, downhill it, from just, here. It's plot. It's just plot. It is plot, and I accept this bit. And you need highs and lows in a film. I just, I just, I feel like this film, if it was solely from Maximus's point of view, as he's, and maybe we hear about this in exposition, generally, maybe someone goes, oh, have you heard Caesar Commodus as commission some games um so we're going to go to rome and play in them and then maximus goes oh this will be a chance if i go there i'll be able to see it we didn't need to see it you can get this plot across without i mean that did also it. happen did it yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah again why is this bit in the film cut this bit say 15 minutes off the runtime does it because it Builds Commodus's character and Lucille's i don't like character. character and i don't like lucille's character they're all boring, and I feel like this film would have been better without them. Or they can be in it, just don't show us their point of view. Have them speak about mythically. I disagree. Until I they think get it helps Rome. round out the film. I don't know. I feel like hearing about them sort of in the background, and then Maximus finally gets that face to face, would have so much more impact. Without them in it, it would become too much of an action movie, a revenge film. 
think that's what this film needs to be, though. I don't think it's it does. Trying it's to, bigger, it's, than, it's trying bigger to, than a revenge film. It's trying to tread the line between the two. Rome's really boring. And I don't know if it's like a CG aspect, because a lot of Rome is CG in this film. Yeah. There's no miniatures or anything. I was like, where's the colour palette? It's just grey and... Or lots of marble. <laughs> so much like marble, but yeah. I don't know, not always. Sometimes when they're going through the streets and they're... Or it's so really Rome, dark. Red was the lucky colour. Everything's dark and dingy and it's like... They don't have windows. Well, not... This is only just outside of the just out of the 90s and everything in the 90s was dark and dingy. I think that's just a sign of the CG, isn't it? Back in Africa, Maximus wins another major battle. He's clearly not happy about the way things have turned out and angrily throws a sword into the stands, screaming, Are you not entertained? Proximo tells him that he too once was a gladiator and that he was released from servitude by Marcus Aurelius. He also tells him that he's going to Rome to compete. He knows Maximus is good, but he could be magnificent. He also tells him that the key to winning his freedom is by winning the crowd. This this is I like all of this. It's all great. Russell Crowe's yeah. great. He's got iconic lines delivered brilliantly. Half of the amazing lines in this are ad-libbed as well by the actors and actresses. That's mad and suddenly makes sense. Why all the best you know, lines like... were made up and not in the script. That's really boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one the one issue I have with these scenes, though, are I think maybe they got mangled up in the edit. Because a lot of the time it's not super... And maybe it's a choice, and I'm absolutely willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, that it's not super clear what's going on in these arena battles. Like, the blocking's almost a little bit clumsy because i'm watching it going i don't know how many people they're fighting how many gladiators are in these arenas where they all are in sort of comparison to each other and it's I just think that's of the time though i think it, you, I, I, you, in my head it could be a lot mid, more clearer the, we've seen much better sort of not me- medieval sword fighting in modern day stuff but i mean they, they took big jumps in the last five six years this was over 20 years ago now uh i think we saw a big jump when we had like things like game of thrones yeah really show how it's done with like the battle of the bastards oh again brilliant and that is a perfect example of it Do you know what i mean you always know where john snow is even in the, that scale of battle but i would say the starting battle did a really good job really good job gladiator. that was clearly well thought out it's just all of these gladiator scenes it's I just get I lost think in they wanted them to have more chaos. Yeah, and I'm absolutely because happy to I put it down to the chaos. If that's a choice they're making, he I can was give fully, them the benefit of the doubt. It, it could be like a great artistic point of view, saying in the at the start of that battle, he was in full control of that battle, whereas in the arena, he's not in full mm-hmm. control. Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to give them the benefit of the doubt. The gladiator caravan arrives in Rome. Their first competition is a reenactment of one of the battles of Carthage. They're supposed to play the role of the losers, but end up destroying their competition. Commodus is pleased and goes down to meet the famous Spaniard. He discovers that the Spaniard is Maximus, and the two have a confrontation. Commodus is in disbelief, and Maximus promises revenge. The crowd loves Maximus already, and Commodus can't kill him because that would be political suicide. 
I mean, this is when we get that great quote, isn't it? Say it. I want to hear it. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, and loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Oh, all oh, it's so good. of the hairs stood up on the back of my neck when he said that. So good. Oh, great Academy bit of Award winner for oh, this. That, Best actor. Oh, brilliant. All on that line, isn't it? That line is, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, Absolutely brilliant. Slaps. Russell Crowe is brilliant in this film. He's, I yeah, cannot argue I that. I believe it's his favourite character he's ever played. Doesn't surprise me. Choose up every scene he's in. Do you know what I mean? Choose the scenery. He's like, yeah. oh, brilliant. So good. Yeah, I, this whole set piece of the fight with the chariots ups the scale of everything to, to Rome scale. It's brilliant. It's an awful lot of fun. Ever so slightly aged effects, I would say. Yeah. The, do you know what I mean? The Colosseum doesn't look as good as it probably could, but it is 2000 and... It was also a fake Colosseum. It wasn't the real Colosseum because they decided the real Colosseum wasn't big enough. Ridley Scott decided the real Colosseum wasn't big enough and they wanted something bigger to show the grand stage of it. Somebody needs to give Ridley Scott a history book and say, this happened, (laughs) just so you know. And once we get to these big Colosseum fights, it becomes, do you know what I mean? The blocking is a lot better. I will say it became a lot easier to sort of follow the action. So this is a big character turning point really he has the arrowhead he has commodus right there yeah we yeah we should say that like maximus goes this is my chance i'm gonna kill him he's coming down to me he's he's gonna come and congratulate me and he yeah he picks up an arrowhead doesn't he like he's gonna slit him and then he's totally able to i think some people might argue because he doesn't because Lucius is there, but I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think he sees Lucius as the future of Rome because he's next in line to be Caesar. And actually, he doesn't kill Commodus because he knows that it would throw Rome into chaos, and he doesn't want that for the future of Rome. And he wants to stand up to stand to Marcus Aurelius's dreams of building a better Rome again, which just murdering Caesar wouldn't achieve that. Yeah, I think there's, it's going through his head that he's he's comparing Rome with the gladiator battle. Do you know what I mean? To win it, he's going to have to win the crowd. So yeah. if he becomes more popular than Commodus, he'll have the people behind him. And it's really shown in this scene that he is becoming more popular than Caesar himself. So Lucille gets... She glimpses a ray of hope. Lucille glimpses a ray of hope in Maximus's survival and visits him that night. He has no interest in talking to her because he thinks she was complicit in Commodus's plans. She wants him to meet with the senator, but he refuses. He's not interested in her plans or in helping Rome. Next we see of him, he's fighting in the arena again, this time against a famous gladiator who's come out of retirement and four angry tigers. Maximus wins again. So you might have noticed that there's a big old plot hole here. 
that they say, oh, this is the only gladiator to never lose a fight. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait, but Proximo was... Um, yeah, good point. ...released. That's because this fight was supposed to be with Proximo. However, the actor who plays Proximo died during the filming of this. Did he? Yes. Right, I'm going to scroll slightly ahead in my notes, and I'm going to say, and here's what I've written. Okay, so Proximo. Is this a real human? Because he looks fake. And there's a scene later on. I, I, I thought it was the lighting in the scene. But he looks like he looks CG. It looks yeah, fake. There, there is a there is a CG version, and that's two thousand CG. Thought I was going insane. Of yeah, Oliver Reed. They do a pretty good job for the two thousand. It's pretty good, but my uncanny valley got set right off, and I went, "That's yeah. wrong. What's going on there?" Oh. So he he died in nineteen ninety nine uh, during a break from filming. Makes sense. Uh, and he never did any of the final photography. He never did the last scenes. And they decided not to go back and refilm it all. They believe going back to refilm it all would cost like $20 million. Um, which they were happy to spend, but they didn't want... They liked his performance. He's brilliant. He is good. Um, probably one of my favourite characters. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I got real... Like ooh, you can tell, um, and it probably makes sense why most of those scenes are in the dark later on because that hides the CG better. I think this whole scene with the tigers is cool. It's a good fight. Would have had a lot more weight if it was against his friend. Absolutely, yeah, um, and explains why he tries to show mercy. Ah, oh, it makes sense. It makes so much more sense. So that that is a shame. So after winning his fight, Commodus visits Maximus again and tries to get him angry. He gloats over the death of Maximus's wife and son, but Maximus doesn't take the bait. He simply says, the time for honouring yourself will soon be at an end, Highness. Oh, a killer. <laughs> what a retort. As in, I'm coming for you because this is a revenge yeah, film. Yeah, boy. No, no, it's not. It's about Rome. Hmm. And the good of man. It's Carry a political on. revenge. Carry on. After leaving the arena, Maximus's former assistant, Cicero, finds him, and he gives him some small statues of his family. Maximus tells Cicero to come and find him in the near future. Commodus is furious with Maximus and the crowd. He knows he can't just kill Maximus. His man from the Senate tells him a story about a special sea snake that lies in wait, even while its enemies take bites out of it. Commodus will do the same. Cicero visits Maximus and tells him that Maximus's soldiers, the men of his unit, are camped out nearby, but will be ready to fight for him immediately. Maximus gives him a mission. Cicero flags down Lucille and tells her that Maximus will meet with her senator. Lucille and Senator Gracchus visit Maximus. God, this is there's so much plot here. And it's pretty the, yeah. boring. I, I would agree in this bit. They're 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 getting to the end of plot. It's just so throwing kind of information up, at you. They're teeing up one ending, aren't they? 
Yeah. Ready for the U-turn. Well, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. I'm going, oh, here we go. We're gearing up. We've got... I mean, we're gearing up here for the I suppose it'd work in the the cinema because you don't know the runtime. Whereas at home, you can see that there's still like an hour to go. Well, yeah, going into the tiger fight, I'm going, oh, is this going to be like the final battle? Like we've been building to this. And then I accidentally looked and realized we had over an hour left of the film. Yeah. Maximus proposes a plan. Buy his freedom so he can ride out with his men and return with an army to kill Commodus and restore Republican rule. Gracchus is wary at first, but ultimately agrees to the plan. Shortly thereafter, Gracchus is arrested, and Lucille visits Maximus again, and tells him that the plot must move forward immediately, because Commodus is starting to figure things out. She kisses Maximus before departing. While she is away visiting Maximus, her son, Lucius, is back at the palace. Lucius is playing with a wooden sword, And when Commodus asks him what he's doing, he says he's playing gladiator and playing the role of Maximus, the saviour of Rome. Commodus, with his suspicion aroused, asks him who referred to Maximus as the saviour. When the seal returns, Commodus lets her know he knows something is going on and then threatens to kill those dearest to her if she doesn't tell him what's going on. Busy bees. (laughs) My God so much going on there's so much plot like it's it's all enjoyable story you can't you can't say it's not that it's not it's plot some reason we're enjoying the film though no reading this out oh yeah reading this out is more entertaining than seeing it happen because it's so bored (laughs) and drawn out in the film (laughs) it's not it is it's all in the same room it's like they have one set which is commodus's it's brilliant acting so Commodus sends an army to kill the gladiators, doesn't he? He's, he yeah. knows he now knows the plan, and he sends them. And it is a brutal scene. Like you yeah. see them burn them all while they're asleep, and then Proximo visits Maximus and lets him out of his cell. I say Proximo, the CG equivalent CG of Proximo. Proximo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the scene where it looks rough as chips, yeah. like. He's killed when he's facing the wrong way and stuff like that. Yeah, you you don't get a clear shot. He doesn't really say anything. It's all shadow. Um, yeah. But Maximus's gladiator friends assist him in escaping, yeah. which is then hampered by the arrival of the Roman Praetorians. And they... Mm-hmm. So Proximo is killed. As Maximus makes outside the city walls, he sees Cicero on his horse. He calls out Maximus's name, and then he's hung. Maximus rushes to save him, but it's too late. Cicero is shot with arrows, and Maximus is recaptured. Yeah, bit of a bit of a plot twist here, isn't it? You think it's going one way, yeah. and it goes, no, no. You thought it was going to be a revenge movie, and it turns out it's not. No, but it's <laughs> still telling you it's a revenge movie at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. So Commodus visits Maximus beneath the Colosseum and tells him that they'll fight in the arena. Before the battle, Commodus stabs him in the back and orders Quintus to cover up the wound. He's, he's cheating, isn't he? He's trying to get the upper hand. He's a slimy little snake. A slimy little snake who knows he can't win fairly. I mean, Though I don't think is, anyone we, could is, beat him fairly. We, we have seen that Commodus, right at the start, we did see a fighting scene with Commodus 
showing that though he hasn't been in battle, he is a very able swordsman. He is a very able swordsman, but he's done nothing but see Maximus fight for the past few months. Yeah. And knows he doesn't stand a chance. So yeah, cheats, basically. Maximus and Commodus fight. Maximus eventually kills him. Maximus, however, succumbs to his wounds. And before he dies, orders Senator Gracchus be reinstated and expresses Marcus Aurelius's final wish that Rome become a republic again. Basile rushes down and orders that he be honoured as a soldier of Rome. He then arrives in the afterlife and greets his wife and son. The end. <sighs> so, top tier ending of any film ever. It, it is good. It's brilliant. The whole final fight scene, how scrappy it gets and how brutal it gets, is brilliant. It, yeah, proper gritty and it just evolves basically to two men fighting in the dirt, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When he pulls out that knife and Maximus is slowly pushing it towards him. The, the oh. pathetic hits on the side of him. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant acting by the pair of them. Two best actors in this film. The music, incredible. The, sc- the, the score's brilliant in this. Him, yeah, Hans Zimmer. Brilliant. Um, him, throughout the fight, bleeding out. He was already dead before the fight started. With the wound that he got, the bleeder in the back it was a deep wound it was a really deep knife wound yeah i suppose really we saw how much we saw how much this sort of the what is it the the flesh wound that he got at the beginning that nearly killed him and the slave yeah. is fixed do you know what i mean this is pre well that, pre- that medicine. was that was less than this because that was just a flesh wound this this was a deep but that's what i'm saying yeah we, we saw how much a, a flesh wound nearly finished him off so this really yeah. was going to kill him. And throughout the fight, when he has a wobble and is close to death, just the vision of the door going into heaven to see into the afterlife, to see his family and the, the imagery, the iconic imagery of his hands brushing the fields of wheat. Yeah, him doing his uh, Theresa May, brilliant. isn't he? Yeah. That's a very British, very dated reference. (laughs) I think it's iconic. It's super emotional. Cried my eyes out every time. The action is great. And I'll say that. And there is a lot of action. It's just you get this absolute rise of action. And then like a roller coaster over the edge, straight back down. And just too much plot. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just feel like this film would have worked better if we hadn't had more of. Like, I get why it's there. I just didn't care for it. Like, I don't want to see Commodus's day-to-day political goings on. I think if it was yeah. more of a revengey, blockbustery film, I'd have, I, I right. personally I think, would I have think enjoyed the story's it. Story's well-rounded. It's there. Do you know what I mean? They it's had a bit these, long. Yeah, they had these beats to hit. And then they were going, right, how the hell do we get here? Let's write the plot. And it's, it's just two people sat in a room talking constantly over and over again. 
and that's why right I'm... scores on scores on the doors uh this is a 9.2 uh next week we're watching absolutely Jaws. stop <laughs> it see you goodbye stop it you've listened to a thousand and one movies we've never seen before <laughs> amazing amazing how you get um, the this is how you get the outro right amazing <laughs> Right. Right, see you all next week. I like and, Right, I'm stopping recording. No, you're not. Please uh, don't. Um Yeah. I just feel there's a big divide between the action and then the dialogue slash plot. They're just not blending super well. I, I think it's alright to have bad opinions sometimes. You have such a blind spot for this film. It is amazing. <laughs> I just, yeah, I feel you could cut almost all of Commonus's scene and just have him with this untouchable emperor that Maximus slowly works his way up to. I don't think Commonus should be like a main followed character. I, I agree. Yeah. And then it'd be a 10 out of 10. So it just I would, I, I would, I would rate it a lot higher if that had happened. The action, so, okay, you? here we go. Scores on the doors, yeah? Action gets okay, 9 well. out of 10. Yeah. Absolutely. Easy. Dialogue and plot get four out of ten. Wrong. Okay. Because there's yeah. no I wouldn't say there's really any plot in Maximus's fighting scenes. There is a little bit, and I'll give it that, which is where the four comes from. Um, but like the overall plot and dialogue comes from Rome and that is what we get, and I just thought it was really boring, and so it gets four out of ten. And so overall and I think I'm being generous. I'm giving this a seven. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Just sinking in. Sinking in. I think yeah, it's... 9.2. Um, <laughs> I love this film. Is that the oh, highest? I love a bit of sandals. Is that the highest film you've rated? Yeah, it is. That's fair. I would put this slightly more enjoyable than Saving Private Ryan. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I feel like. I feel like maybe this, maybe Ridley Scott saw Saving Private Ryan and thought, I can, I don't think this is better than Saving Private Ryan. This is Saving Private Ryan with better music. On every... One of the best soundtracks of all time. The plot in Saving Private Ryan is better. The action in Saving Private Ryan is better. Everything about Saving Private Ryan is better. I disagree. I guess so. This is where we disagree. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay to disagree. It is okay to disagree. Do you know what I mean? And it's unfortunate Everybody that I have entitled. to continue to talk to you on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, you've got you've got a real blind spot for this film. I can see why you like this film so much. And I can see why people like this film so much it just wasn't for me you can you can pick apart a movie all you like but if you are entertained throughout yeah i can't are you not entertained no i I wasn't bloody entertained i was so entertained oh well comment down below if you disagree with sam what we're watching next week jaws jaws excellent uh, I haven't seen it as well. I have not seen this. Really haven't. 
I know of it. There's so much pop culture. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Joel, you've obviously nailed the outro before. Can you? Can you recreate the magic? My name's uh, Jolius Podcardiest Grinius. Oh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Ah, bye. Lovely. Oh, I've let myself down. Mate, you nailed it last week. Oh. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. If you could like this episode, it would really help us out. Do you have a suggestion for a film you think we should watch? Why not leave us a comment letting us know? You can also follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. Or drop us an email at 1001moviesnotseen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. I mean, and we never even discussed the world's greatest eyebrows. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic, especially with the ginger wig. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. <laughs>